Raider. What's going on, podcast fam? It's your boy, Jason Craig, a.k.a. the Friendly Neighborhood Dreadhead. And I'm here with another interview. He is up and coming in the in the um in the film business, Mr. CJ Goodwin. How you doing? I'm doing good, Jason. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Man, thank you. For, thank you for coming on. So um tell us a little bit about yourself, like as far as um what got you into filmmaking. Uh sure. So I don't know, I think probably like a lot of directors or writers or anything like when i was a kid i enjoyed obviously the films and uh, i still do i go to the theater all the time it's just something i enjoy doing and um i probably got into the industry about 10 years ago and i've always wanted to be a part of it and you know uh long story short i took my mom to see uh, some horror films and uh, just like anybody that goes to see movies, we had our opinions about things. And and um, after our conversations of her and I talking, she's like, well, why don't, why don't you make a film? You know, basically, if you think you can do better type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe I will. You know, I've always wanted to. And so I uh, that kind of kickstarted it, to be honest. And then I went home and wrote a script in probably like two or three weeks and just got my friends and family to do my first film with me, which... Again, I think a lot of indie directors, that's sort of the way they go. Um, and then through doing my first film, you know, I just started connecting with other people in my area. You know, I live in San Antonio. And so in the San Antonio and the Hill Country area, like Kerrville and Comfort and Fredericksburg and Bernie, all that. Um, people started taking a little bit of notice. You know, I do my next film, which is called Jackson. And that kind of got blown up even more. It got put out on Amazon Prime. And it was on Amazon Prime for about a year, year and a half. And it got over 500,000 views, okay. um, which is uh, pretty nice. But to anyone that is in the indie world, and unfortunately, Amazon Prime doesn't really pay much anymore. You know, they, they used to. But now it's, it's pretty bad uh, for indie filmmakers. Um. And then my latest project, Eyes of a Roman, um, it's a Roman epic feature. And um, I had over, well, close to around 200 people um, that worked on the film uh, with cast and crew. And it's just, it was a big, basically uh, no budget, the low budget type film. You know, we put all the money into uh, wardrobe and um, equipment, basically. And so everyone that worked on the project, um, they just did it for a passion because you know, I think in um, in Texas, at least down here in the central where San Antonio is, you don't see too many feature films, you know, with the Roman epic feel that we have. That's sort of like, you know, like the film Gladiator, you know, it sort of kind of has that vibe. And um, so, yeah, man, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. You know, you just keep networking kind of like what we're doing today and um, get your name out there. And before you know it, you're making bigger and better, you know right that's that's awesome and um i'm i mean i've been meaning to ask you because i stay in texas as well but really north texas so do you feel like you'll be able to strive in the film industry being in texas think you're going to have to branch out to another state 
like to a New York to like a an, an Atlanta or a California. Right. Um, I'm really, you know, me personally, I'm trying to make it work here in Texas. Right. Um, and there's a lot of things coming to Texas. You know, there's I know, like, uh, I think believe in San Marcos, they got some studios that are supposed to be coming and being built, uh, which would bring a lot of business to the central Texas area, you know, which is right next to Austin anyways. And Austin has a lot of studios there as well. Um, but me personally, no, like I'd like to make a name, you know, in Texas and just keep making featured films um, in our state. And it's really kind of helped put us even more on the map. I think Texas has a lot of great talent um, when it comes to cast and crew. And right. uh, we kind of get overlooked, you know, by the big, big dogs, you know, like LA and Atlanta and, uh, you know, even up in Canada or New York or even overseas. Um, but Texas, man, they do a lot of great things. You know, we do a lot of short films in Texas, you know, in the indie world. Right. Um, and I have nothing against short films. Short films are just as hard to make as features, uh, you know, features, you know, mine took me two years, you know, where a, a short may not take that long to make. Um, <laughs> but I enjoy doing featured films. And I just want to bring that to, you know, anyone and everyone that wants to be a part of it, just to kind of help them get into the industry and, and help their careers also. So. Okay. Well, have, has any of your films um, ran the end, uh, ran the film festival circuit? So my, um, my first few films, no, because I was pretty, uh, what's the word, ambitious. <laughs> I, uh, I sent my like first two like uh, horror thriller films to really big festivals, you know, like uh, you know, like like TIFF, you know, and uh, South by Southwest, you know, things like that, um, which just wasn't ready, you know, for those type of festivals. Those festivals you know, are legit and um, they have a lot of great content and, you know, what some of those big festivals, you know, that say they're in the independent film festivals, you still are up against, you know, films that have millions of dollars worth of budgets and, um, you know, name talent, you know, right. and that's tough. So it's, it's an indie festival, but, you know, it's no budget to low budget, you know, filmmakers are going up against still, you know, well-known, actors and you know five to ten million dollar type budget movies where we're spending maybe you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand at most and right. it, can, it can be challenging so to answer your question my first few films no they haven't done the festival circuit and i really didn't push that too hard on my first few films eyes of a roman though um, that one's been submitted um, to austin film fest and the lone star film festival up in the dallas area um one down in Corpus, the Big Apple Festival in New York. And then uh, there's one in San Francisco called Another Hole in the Head and that we submitted to as well. So for Eyes of a Roman, we submitted to some pretty um, good tier festivals. You know, Austin Film Fest is no joke. That's a really big festival. And, you know, I consider it to be in the top 20 in the world. You know, it's kind of like right behind South by Southwest. I think that's probably the big dog in Texas, but I think Austin Film Fest is right there, you know, kind of right behind it. And so that's uh, what we're looking for, you know, this year. And we'll find out in September if we got selected for that or not. Um, so hopefully, hopefully. All right. So what would you say is 
your um what genre is your strong suit would you say um you know i, I tend to lean towards you know uh drama slash horror basically you know and my my horror you know, horror is like a very broad name like it could be slasher or it could be um you know, like ghosts or spirits or psychological thrillers and right say i'm more into that side of things on the psychological thriller type stuff and like ghosts uh, i'm not really into more of the like jason type things um i i really enjoyed doing like the storytelling part of it you know so even if it mine has some horror aspect to it there's going to be a really strong story behind it with really deep meaning um but you know eyes of a roman obviously that's not a horror film that's a roman epic drama adventure and that was a different thing that i got to do this time and i really enjoyed that too so i don't really like to get um bogged down in one genre you right know, I, I like to try different things um i don't think i'd ever do like a rom-com <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I, I tend to write towards you know more like dark and drama type uh, material right uh, like my upcoming film is going to be a sherlock holmes movie uh, okay but it's going to be an r-rated adaptation of sherlock and we're really going to show the dark side of being a hero and dealing with serial killers and you know uh on a daily basis basically solving crime and it's like what would that really do so we're going to show that side of sherlock which you know i don't think that was really been shown before they, they normally go for like the family type you know feel the fill the seats and make money so i think the horror fans will really enjoy it because it's going to be um terrifying also but just with a really good story as well so you got me intrigued man so yeah. um it, where are your um the movies that you've released where are they currently out now to watch like where could you watch them at sure so my first two feature films I've actually gone back into the vault per se. Okay. And, um, I'm looking at putting them out on Film Hub actually in the next coming months. And so then they'll get released out to whatever media platforms want to pick it up. Um, but it was on Amazon Prime for a while, but they, they took it down. Um, so right now it's sort of in the vault, uh, which is kind of fun because really no one can watch them right now. <laughs> and so, but uh, they'll be re-released also. They're going to come out. Um, I do have one short film that's out there actually just on uh, YouTube or Facebook and it's called uh, good night LMB. And it was supposed to be a featured film about uh, actually vampires and that genre and um, COVID hit and it kind of shut down production like a lot of films did. And so we never really got to make that into a feature, which it was right. supposed to be, it was supposed to be a feature film. So we might be going back to that later down the line but you can check out that one if you like you just type in goodnight lmb on uh, facebook and it should take you to the page and you can see that little short film there it's pretty small i think it's like three or four minutes something like that okay so what would you say um what directors or, or writers influenced you like you know in your works like what influences do you have uh yeah so i'm a big fan of some of the classics you know like i grew up with steven spielberg and uh, so i enjoy a lot of his films um alfred hitchcock 
I would study some of his work as well. Um, I like James Wan. You know, he did obviously the Conjuring films and just sort of created that universe and you know, Insidious, and he did the first Saul movie and things like that. And um, those are a few like directors that people have probably heard of. Uh, there's a few other directors sort of in the indie world that I um, like watching as well, which right now I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but like, you know, the director that did, um, you know, like The Witch, and um, which is an indie film. Another director I like, he did, he did Whiplash, and then he did La La Land. Yeah. So I like that director. So I just had to pull from a lot of different things. You know, if I'm going into the horror side of things, I, you know, the way I study and learn, because I didn't go to film school, I just learned by watching film. Okay. Um, I was just about to ask you too if you were if you were technically trained or you were self-taught. So with not being technically trained, like you know, going to film school or whatnot, um, what difficulties did you run into when learning about film? Oh, well, I think um I mean, I don't know. There's, there's so much that goes into it, you know. So for me personally, um, you know, I write my own scripts. I'm, I'm director, producer. I edit my films, and so you kind of wear a lot of hats and you do a lot of the work. And I think, you know, the most um, problematic thing that you, I kind of run into, I guess, is um, just the uh, commitment um, from people. You know, so you might you might have your cast and crew and everything set up. Everybody signed the contracts and you're ready to go. Um, but then you might have like five or six people drop out um, either last minute because of whatever reasons, you know, right. might be personal or, you know, they might have found like a, a better gig. Um, and so they kind of jump ship and go. And that's probably the most problems that I really have is just. I think that, to be honest, I think everything else kind of falls in place. You know, um, everyone's different. Everyone has different opinions about everything. And so I think it's just finding a good uh, core of people that you can work with that can kind of help you manage everything and then just kind of keep um, your spirits up, too. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, if you're the leader or you're the person running the show, sometimes that kind of gets overlooked. And so sometimes you need your casting crew to help you, right? And like pick you up sometimes when you're exhausted or something didn't go well that day on film. And um, they're there to kind of pick you up, man. Because as the leader or the director, you're doing that 24-7 basically with, with everyone on the film. So it's nice when that happens. You know, they help you out every once in a while as well. So, Right. So would you wearing all of these different hats um, while you're on set, do you ever get overwhelmed or are you able to uh, keep it all in and keep it all together? Sure. I think, um, you know, on set, I, um, I really try hard to, you know, be the cool customer, right? So right. you stay chill and stay relaxed and there's always problems. You know, things always go wrong on a set. You know, if you have a day where something doesn't go wrong, it's like, like what, what happened here? Like, it's kind of like the twilight zone. And um, so you just kind of know that going in, like there's always going to be problems that you're going to have to fix on the fly. And uh, you just don't let it get to you, man. I think um, some people can break down and get frustrated and, um, 
you know, kind of lose sight of why you're doing this and you just have to be able to adapt. Right. Uh, when I'm on film, there's things that happen all the time, but you just have to adapt, man. So you can keep pushing forward and, and make the film. You know, if you let every little thing stop you or get in the way, you'll never complete a movie. That's for sure. So, okay. So you had said that you had took your uh, mother to go see the, see a horror film. Now, what was the film that you saw that says, you know what, this is what I want to do. Like, what film made you realize that film is what you wanted to pursue? Well, that the film I took my mom to wasn't, you know, the film that's like, yeah, I want to make movies. It was more like I feel like I could do what they did or if or even better, right? And that's sort right. of like the competitive nature that I think humans have. Um, even though I don't know if I've even made a film close to what that person <laughs> done, right? Um, I'm trying to remember what the that film was. Um it had something to do with the woods and China and uh, some woman got lost and I oh, it might, might even be called the woods. I'm not sure. I, um, was it, I think, was it a, like uh, based around like the, the suicide force in, in, um, in Asia? I think yeah. I know what we're talking about. Yeah, that was it. And so that was one of the films that we saw that day. And then we also saw the boy and, um, those were the kind of the films like, you know what, I feel like I can, I can do this and I feel like I can do it better. And again, I don't know if I have, like I said, that's the thing about film, right? Is everyone has their own opinions and, right. and they believe different things. Some people think, you know, the uh, Avengers franchise or when they fought Thanos and all that stuff is the best movie ever made. And then there's people like, what are you talking about? Like the Godfather is the best movie ever made. And those are like two different, spectrums right right fun about film man everyone has their own love for film and there's there's people that love my movies and there's people that probably hate my movies you know just that's it. but it's like that for everyone even the big dogs like i said like even spielberg and all those guys so right so um now what so we talking about you know some people say that this film is the greatest film ever some people say that film's the greatest film ever so in your opinion, what is the greatest film ever? Uh, man, I don't know, man. You know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a lover of a lot of different types of film. You know, um, I can name off a few that I think are, like, really great. You know, I thought, um, like, Saving Private Ryan was a really great film, very serious topic. And I felt Spielberg kind of put us like in that world, right. To help show right. us what they actually went through, even though I know that wasn't even close to what they went through, but at least it kind of peeled back the curtain a little bit. And then, you know, there's just other things that kind of broke boundaries, you know, like Jurassic park, which is another Spielberg film that broke a boundary. Like no one ever seen that before, you know, and then, you know, going back all the way to psycho with Alfred Hitchcock, you know, um, you know, he killed off like the main character in the first 20 minutes right um, which i don't think has was ever done before at least if it was i had never heard of it before and so that just shocked the entire audience and you know so i just have a lot of love for different films you know, like i said the director that did whiplash i feel like that movie whiplash was really good and which is pretty crazy i feel like if i remember right they edited that whole film in like 15 days or something um, oh, wow. so they could get it submitted to sundance if i remember right and um obviously it 
took off. And also, if I remember right, that was first a short film that he did. And then they made it into a feature film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I just have like a, a super favorite. You know, I'm a, I'm a lover of everything, you know, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I love those films. You know, I love I like Star Wars. You know, obviously I'm wearing the hat. <laughs> um, I really just like kind of all, everything, to be honest. Kind of what I look for is just I really like to watch stuff that really hasn't been done before. Right. It's like, wow, that was a really cool take, what they did. That was an awesome story. You know, great, great twist. You know, I think M. Night Shyamalan, you know, he was sort of the king of that for a while in the 90s, you know, with Signs and, uh, you know, uh, The Village. And um, yeah, I forgot that one that he did. Oh, Sixth Sense. You know, sort of the one that kind of took him off into the next stratosphere. So, yeah, I can't really say what's like my favorite favorite. That's too hard for me. <laughs> okay. So with, um, you know, back then, you know, before the digital age, film kind of felt like a, an exclusive club because not many people had the resources to it. But do you feel like with the digital age around and now like people are more like technology is more uh, accessible and like, you know, there's YouTube now, which is basically the new the, the new film school, do you feel like uh, like the digital ages help uh, make film more accessible for people that want to pursue it? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think, like I said, the way I learned was watching film and then just doing learning tutorials from people that put out their information on YouTube. You know, like especially like in the editing world, I wasn't an editor, but now I am, you know, because I've learned all the techniques from YouTube and I work on Adobe Premiere and all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think YouTube um, has definitely helped a lot of filmmakers, um, no matter what uh, job you're doing on a film. It right. could be from editing to lighting to music to anything, you know, right. and, and what's fun about you know, the internet now, which they didn't have back in the day is, you know, my, my composer on my film, um, Isa Roman, um, he lives in Canada and I've never met him in person. Um, but he's, he's written the last three films of mine he's done the music for. And so that just kind of shows you how the internet has connected people, uh, through film. Um, where I'm able to work with a composer from Canada <laughs> that writes music for my movies. And, right. we, and we never even met each other in person. And um, and he's great. You know, his, his name's Antonio Gradanti, and uh, he's a great film uh, music composer. And I'm really excited for everyone to watch Eyes of a Roman just to hear his score. You know, it's, it sounds very similar to, like, the Gladiator score, that music from Gladiator or or Braveheart, you know, that type of feel. So, so anyways, to answer your question, yes, I feel like uh, <laughs> YouTube and, you know, social media has definitely helped um, the smaller indie filmmakers for sure. But even the big guys too, you know, I'm sure it's a lot easier for them now as well. So. Right. So um, now, would you say that, you know, how everybody's saying that, oh, well, now that stream is here, uh theaters are dead do you really do you feel like theaters are dead or do you just feel like it's just a natural evolution for for the film industry for it to be 
um, more streamer friendly now? Um, well, first off, I hope it's not. I hope it's not dead. You know, yeah. I, I feel like the theater experience is completely different than watching it at your house. You know, um, you can even see some of that YouTube stuff. Like when people went to go watch like the Avengers, right? right. And there's like, I don't know. It's not really a spoiler now. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, like when Captain America is by himself and he says like Avengers assemble and the whole audience in the theater just goes nuts and they're screaming and yelling. I mean, you don't you don't get that at your house. Right. You know what I mean? And so getting that that vibe and that feel and just watching the reactions of people uh, pretty much live um, is awesome. And I, I really hope the theaters stay alive. Um, I think they will, you know, I think what they ran into was, you know, when COVID hit and just kind of shut down the country, I mean, the theaters were right. Running. And so when that happened, and if I remember right, Warner brothers made a deal, you know, with, with HBO to basically release all their movies on HBO. And that's kind of what erupted this sort of, you know, uh, battle cry from all the other studios and things of that nature. Now, I don't know too much about it. You know, I think now, you know, HBO and those movies, now they like watch the films first in theaters for at least two or three months and then it gets released on HBO. Um, which to me that's fine. You know, if there's a three month window which in the theater, then it goes streaming. I think that's great. You know. Yeah. I think that's a long enough time. Like if you're gonna go watch it in the theater and you got three months. I mean, if you haven't gone in three months, I mean I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Uh, you know. Most people are, let's go watch it now type of people, right? It's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, so it's very, very fast on that side of things. So. Apologies about my dog. I think he's barking at some friends or something. But uh, but yeah, man, like I, I really do feel like the pandemic kind of forced the film industry to change in a sense because now ever since, uh, well, Disney, had a debacle with black widow where they released it in theaters and on streaming right and i think like uh disney app like i think they, i think they started the model of things or well maybe it was hbo that they started the model of three months at 90 days after release they put it on their streaming platform so uh my quote like one of my few last questions because we, we got about to get out of here in a little bit if you had a Mount Rushmore of directors, what would be on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, well, let's see. Well, Spielberg for sure. Um, and, um yeah, probably Ridley Scott. Right. I like stuff. You know, I like James Wan for the horror side of things. Um, one more face. Someone yeah. get linked out. Yeah, I know. Um, dang, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's uh, it's probably going to be uh, probably Alfred Hitchcock, probably. Okay. I, I wonder if you're going to put him in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I almost went with Kupnik. You know, he did like The Shining and some of those other films. But I don't know. I just like Hitchcock's style. And he was always evolving, too. You know, he's, he kind of reminds me of what Spielberg did. Right. Like, kept adapting and changing with the times and coming up with new and better ways to, you know, scare people or excite people or storytelling. So anyway. 
All right. And um, before we head out for this interview, you want to tell the people uh, what they uh, should be looking forward to in the future for you? Uh, sure. So we, we touched on it a little bit, but, um, you know, Eyes of a Roman, you know, it's my feature film. It's coming out um, hopefully in the film festivals. I'll find out in September. Um, but after the festivals, we have a, a public premiere actually in Kerrville, Texas, about an hour north of San Antonio. And they got an 800 seat theater and they're going to be doing a red carpet there for the Eyes of Roman film. And then we're going to be showing it um, hopefully at the Tobin Center in San Antonio. I'm working on that deal right now. And in Victoria, Texas as well. And then maybe up in the Dallas area also. You know, I'm still working on trying to set up uh, different venues to show the film at. You know, once we're done doing the venue tour, it'll come out on different streaming services. You know, I'm not exactly sure what those are yet. Um, but it should be like on at least Peacock or Tubi or some of those things where people can get a chance to watch if they like after eyes of Romans over. So like right now I'm sort of like behind the scenes, um, getting crew ready for the Sherlock Holmes R rated adaptation film that I got coming. Okay. And so we'll be filming that next year, um, in the comfort Kerrville area. And, um, so hopefully with that one, the film would be out the following year. And I'm looking at releasing that to bigger festivals for that one. You know, now, now I feel like I'm ready. You know, <laughs> and so like South by Southwest or TIFF, uh, Tribeca, Cons, you know, some of the big dogs and um, try to make a splash. You know, it's uh, I really like to get, you know, San Antonio um, and Texas more on the map. Uh, I feel like just like any director from Texas would. You know, I'm, right. just, I'm one of those, too. You know, there's a lot of great directors um and uh, script writers and cast and crew in texas and so i think it's just i feel like all of us are trying to do that so <laughs> if someone does it and gets there before me i'll definitely be there congratulating them and you know i'm definitely a big um cheerleader you know for others to uh to make it so right well well, you just gotta let me know whenever your film comes to the Dallas area because I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I'm really intrigued. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know if you um saw the trailer yet or not, but the Eyes of Our Own trailer is out on um, YouTube, and so you can definitely check it out there and see what it's all about. It's got Marcus Crassus and Spartacus, and you know it's that time period, and um, you know Les Best. He actually lives up, I believe, in the Waco area, and. Okay. Uh, plays Marcus Crassus and um so he's he's a known actor in Texas for sure he's been on a lot of projects and um he might be trying to help me find a place up in that area as well to get a screening for the film so yeah man if we do I'll definitely um let you know about it love to uh, meet you in person and you can come you know check out the film so. oh yeah most definitely now can you is there can you tell us a little bit about the film we're going to keep that under wraps I know I can tell you some of it, you know. Um, so again, the title's Eyes of a Roman, and it takes place the film uh, one day before the final battle between Spartacus and the Romans. Right. Um, so anyone who knows about Spartacus, most people have heard the name, you know. But um, you know, Spartacus, just like a lot of people back then, uh, were enslaved by the Romans, and Spartacus fought back and pretty much created his own, you know, uh, 
group of people um, to fight against the Romans. And he did that for a little while. And then uh, eventually, you know, they had sort of the final battle. And, you know, if you know anything about the Spartacus history, um, he did not win. <laughs> you know, and um, and you can kind of see this, uh, a little bit of that in the trailer. But the movie is really not about Spartacus. You know, it's about a um, a soldier where Marcus Crassus um, finds this boy when he's like six or seven years old um, after a Roman citizen's uh, village got slaughtered. And he's like the lone survivor. And Marcus Crassus pretty much adopts him and raises his child to help him with his career um, and military um, aspirations, basically. And along the way, this kid who is now a man, um, Atticus, uh, who I play in the film, actually, um, he does his dad's will until um, one of the Roman uh, commanders um, tries to rape an innocent woman and child. And because that happened to his family, Atticus's, he kind of snaps and tells the commander this isn't going to happen. And um, from there, things go wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, he pretty much defies Rome and the commander and all that stuff. So that puts a lot of pressure on Marcus Crassus. You know, what is he going to do now? Is he going to show, you know, empathy towards his adopted son, basically, in front of his men? And, and lose their respect or is he going to you know go the other route and use Atticus as an example of what not to do and so that's sort of what the story is basically happening around this final day between Spartacus and that's what's fun about it because just because he was fighting Spartacus these other commanders and generals they had normal lives and everything was happening behind the scenes and so that's what this whole story is about it's just this huge side story that no one's ever heard of um, you know, the day before the final battle. So it's just complete madness that's happening. But it was a fun story to tell, you know. Um, we definitely uh, took the history part seriously, you know. So we show a lot of that in the film as well. In fact, in history, they say that um, a lot of people believe that Spartacus and Marcus Crassus met up, you know, a few days before their final battle and had a conversation and uh, so in the film we actually we show that and which is a lot of fun you can actually see that in the trailer i think spartacus like shakes crassus's hand and he gives him a little smirk and then he walks away and uh you know just a lot of fun like it's kind of like today like when people talk trash to each other right right and, um, so that's basically what spartacus and crassus were doing um Anyways, so that's sort of what the film's about, man. It's just about this soldier and um, making a choice um, like what we do in life on a daily basis. And it can be from anywhere from like, you know, uh, people disagreeing with their parents on right. certain things all the way to uh, polit politics, man, like what you believe in that. And it's no different with this movie. It's just about making choices and what you believe is right and um, doing those choices and then seeing what the consequences are when you do do that and um, sometimes it's great and sometimes it's it's not so great and so we show that in this film so well it's, you've got me kind of interested i can't wait to see it now also one more question i want to ask you so you said that you're working on a sherlock holmes film right so 
how does like how does that work because i know certain certain um properties you know it's kind of hard to do because you know copyrights and whatnot so how are you able to do a sherlock film sure um so sherlock is actually in public domain um when you know if it's in public domain anyone can kind of touch it per se now to my knowledge over in the uk it's public domain for everything right in the us with sherlock i think there's like eight or nine stories that are still um the author cohen uh family homestead they still own those rights right but also to my knowledge in 2023 in the u.s all of his work for sherlock Holmes is supposed to go into public domain oh wow so then really anyone can make those stories now we see sherlock Holmes films all the time you know or tv series or things of that nature and that's really how they get a chance to kind of use that now they might be paying royalties to the family i'm not quite sure um and there's a lot of different twists and turns when it comes to those things but if it's in fully public domain you're pretty much good to do you know almost anything um if it's not fully in public domain then sometimes they have like certain um rights to characters you know like sherlock's one of them but it could be like um like sherlock's like sister right like like something came up with I think that Netflix series, I think it's like a Nola Sherlock, maybe. It was basically Sherlock and his sister. And I want to say the family that owns the rights to Sherlock uh, sued uh, Netflix for making that movie. Um, oh, wow. um, but they lost um, because they were trying to claim, I think they were trying to sue him because uh, the way they made their Sherlock. You know, they gave Sherlock like a lot of feelings and like uh, he was happier than he normally is and you know things like that and so i think they tried to sue them for that but you can't you can't sue you know you can't copyright feelings you know you know what i mean and so it got dismissed you know they didn't win and so netflix was still good and now i think they actually might be making a second oh uh, and nella sherlock holmes too so i mean it's really hard i think for them nowadays to you know win something like that because once it goes into public domain, like I said, man, really anyone can utilize it. Um, but for me personally, like I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan. If, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be making the film. Right. Um, so I'm definitely going to do it justice. You know, I really want to show what author Cohen was writing about. And if you actually read the books, um, he actually touches on a lot of like drug use and alcohol abuse um sherlock was actually very dark and he used a lot of drugs um in his books um, basically to help keep him sane believe it or not and so they would he would smoke opium you know and he would do all these things and you don't really see that too much in these films because they try to make it more family oriented right and so i'm going to show what author cohen the writer really wrote about sherlock and um you know, with their family, um, wants them to see the real Sherlock. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. So, uh, so hopefully they'd be happy if they actually saw my film. You know, I'm still pretty low time on the totem totem pole, so I don't see it being streamed anywhere big. You know, like HBO or anything. So, right, I think I'll be safe. But, um, but hopefully if they do see it, and I hope they do. Yeah, I'd like them to watch it. Um, they would enjoy. 
um, what I uh, brought to the film for that character, you know? Right. Well, I see some big things in your future, CJ. I've, I got faith in you. Like, I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see Eyes of Roma whenever it drops and that Sherlock Holmes movie that you're working on now because it's, it's, it sounds like a very interesting premise. But uh, we'd love to talk to you more, but we got to get up out of here. But before we get up out of here, where can the people find you at, sir? Sure. Um, so really the best way to just find me or follow me really is just on Facebook. You know, I know there's other websites and avenues like IMBD. I'm on there. You can check me out there as well if you like. Um, but really Facebook is sort of like my hub right now for getting information out to people, um, whether it's to go watch my films or casting crew calls um, or just to um, network with me, you know, kind of like what we are doing right here. You know, I'm more than welcome to, you know, help others and speak with others. And um, so, yeah, man, I really just think Facebook's probably my number one place to find me, to be honest, you know, uh, my email, you know, I got trygoodwinproductions.com. You're more than welcome to email me there. You know, I have a website as well for that. And um, that's really it, man. That's the best way to get a hold of me. So, All right. Well, people, that wraps up another one. And just like always, if you want to find me, you can look at all my other social medias. Just type in Bring the Popcorn. Or you just type in our – or just go to Linktree. We have a Linktree now with all of our links with our merchandise store twitch youtube and facebook but just we're going to go ahead and wrap things up but just remember when you always come to the reviews just remember to always bring the popcorn all right guys we are out of here Raiders. thanks jason